Returning to breathing, breathing in, breathing out. So, in a day here, we're walking, eating, thinking, reflecting, listening to talks, trying to let some of these suggestions and meanings wash over, see which ones land, which ones seem relevant, which ones infiltrate, where minds operate. Yeah, so not all of it works, but some of it pertinent and then just taking that back and I was trusting trusting this teaching some of these teachings and suggestions come come right into the heart you know one or two you know maybe something comes in there that just helps our hearts to be just coming to tune a bit more you know to find the right balance where it's not stiff and struggling not loose and flopping around, not caught up in itself, not chasing itself around, but actually something that can feel ready to be placed, placing itself, touching, touching the body. So where the heart and mind come together, the heart heart and body come together, they both have a sense of touch. We feel touched, the heart sense of feeling touched, body sense of feeling touched. And when those two come together in this calm, agreeable way, it's a very lovely experience. Mm. Such a interesting and powerful uh, metaphor, touching. Mm. The Buddha said, uh, he even used this term for touching the deathless. One touches the deathless in one's body. You know, oh. <laughs> I don't know quite what that means, but I like the sound of it. Uh. Pusati, to touch. When you touch something, it touches you. So there's that immediate mutuality, meeting, and the sensitivity, and the kind of intelligences that happen when you just place your finger on something. You know, it's immediately sensing pressure, warmth, safety, sensation, vibration, how much is needed to make a clear contact, how much pressure is needed to get the clear contact, you push too hard, you're just going to feel your own pressure. You know, you don't push just for clearly enough, you don't get the full contact. So in touching, we learn about energy. You know, if you push too hard, you just feel your own pressure, your own pushing. You don't touch clearly enough, you just don't quite get it. Adjusting like this. 
and how we can't really figure it. You've got to feel your way. The Buddha saying, you know, why did the Buddha teach this? It seems that it was one of the first uh, breakthroughs in his own practice from his ascetic practice where he's very forcefully pushing the body, striving, pushing the body, trying to get out of the body to immaterial states. And it's kind of ideological, you might say, position. And then just realizing how pleasantly happy he'd felt as a, as a boy, sitting under the boldy tree in the shade, nice, cool, calm, pleasant abiding, his father nearby, so that sense of the safety, the coolness, the protectedness, the shelteredness, the calmness. And then from that impression, just sensing his breathing. I think these stories have their meaning because they do signal a certain quality, a certain tonality. It's young, not, you know, complicated, just a young, simple boy. uh, There's something, you know, tender about that, isn't there? Kind of not heavy male aggression, but kind of simple, gentle boy. And then the protected shade from the blazing Indian sun. And then the sense of the father nearby, the safety from the elder. Um, you know, just picking up that impression, what would it be like, you know, to be that kind of young, kind of unformed, not fully formed innocence, and then in this shaded, protected place, just being with your own breathing. Now you were taught it apparently first of all, and again who knows, but so there's some monks who had been getting into uh, the unattractive aspects of the body and from a very ideological position and started killing, committing suicide. So the Buddha said, you know, you'd missed them. That, wasn't the, that wasn't the idea. The idea is to acquire a sense of dispassion towards the body, not aversion. <laughs> so they thought, I'll teach this, Anapanasati. You know, this is a pleasant abiding, the need to feel pleasant, a gentle pleasure. Again, another tonal signifier. Can we come into that state, that attitude? And then he's also... Um, saying how he taught this in a prolonged period after the assembly had gathered for three months, a three-month retreat and a whole assembly had gathered and all the great arahants were exhorting them and teaching them in all the different uh, practices. And the Buddha said, after three months of all this kind of groundwork, the Buddha said, right, you know, because you've laid down so so many... the good ground has been laid down, I'll teach Anapanasati, you're ready for it. So this is both something that's very immediate and also something that does benefit from groundwork, you know. 
groundwork in terms of you know attention that can linger and stay uh, uh, a clear understanding of the principles of Dhamma um, trained attention and confidence so you know this is something that you can keep coming back to over decades you're just doing your practices reflecting thinking studying looking to where you're suffering developing skillful means and then you bring it back into breathing again how how is it here and returning to that so to bring into fruition the fact factors of awakening Another two themes that uh, are developed or come into fruition uh, are these samatha, calming, and vipassana, insight. So these are two renowned approaches or inclinations in mind cultivation. And, you know, there can be uh, quite developed systems based upon these inclinations. You know, the Buddha does touch into these these two uh, directions. Um, he says you're trying to keep them together. You shouldn't really separate them, although you may be more proficient at one approach. And the samatha approach is really everything that you do that comes is response to the question, how do things get more still and comfortable? How do things get more still and comfortable? How does the mind settle? So anything you do that gives rise to that, whether it's practicing metta bhavana, anything that makes your mind steady, simpler and steady and calmer. So you can look at a range of practices with that inclination. You're looking for that. That's your intention. Vipassana is the, the, when your intention and inclination is to try to understand what the causes and conditions that bring this experience into being. What is this experience made of? So it's like pulling, picking things apart. Some of these sort of letting, gathering things together. With Pasana, you start pulling them apart. <laughs> because the gathering it together counteracts the tendency to be just scattered, since <laughs> running all over the place, energies are scattered. And the pulling it, teasing it apart, it works upon the sense of self, you know, a consolidated, unified self with things, a world of things out there and a world, a lump called me in here. Mm. Yeah, so one, they're both necessary because one is, is dealing with the, uh, we're not even getting to the point really, you know, until there's some summer to, you don't even get to the point of, of being able to contemplate the world and the, and the self because the mind is just so scattered and doesn't have the, the strengths and the power and the confidence. And then, you know, so then gathering, what are you gathering together? You're not gathering your sense of self together, you're gathering together energies, enlightenment factors, calm, contentment, purity of intention, just collecting it all so it becomes a, a malleable, workable mind a mind that's replenished and replete. And then that starts to look into our experience. 
experience is happening. This is perception. This is feeling. Yeah. This is intention. This is uh, a hindrance. This is snagging. This is soft. You know, as so you start to look into it. And of course, you need both of those approaches because even to get calm, to get steady, you have to begin to sieve through the experience of the present moment is the what bits do you not need in all this arising in the present? What bits are not necessary? What do you have to unplug? So that means some kind of causative analysis of the causes and conditions that are occurring in the present. And here we begin to review some of our, you know, our psychologies which may get conditioned into us, the, the time sense, hurry up, got so much time, the performance sense, got to get this right. The anxiety sense, you know, not going to make it work. Um, the inadequacy sense, I don't think I can do this. Um, you know, the, whatever senses are there, you know, you know, feeling something wrong with me, you know. So you start saying, you don't need this now. This isn't going to do you any good. You start, don't, you know, don't worry about it, just stop doing it. <laughs> So for that, say, you know, because it could be so tightly woven up into the mind, say, just you know, let forget your mind, you know, just go right into your body, and let your body sense itself. Sometimes the mind weave is so persistent, so terribly persistent after decades of it being formed in that way. You know, for some causes are extremely powerful and residual. So you just can you know, but you can still breathe, can't you? Yeah. So where do you where is that experience happening in your body? Can it happen? Can you find the place where it's kind of happening quite naturally and comfortably, without you really making a big thing out of it? Where does that become clear for you? Then just getting into touching it, touching it with your mind, touching it listening to it, very kind of, you know, innocent touching. So we've not got no other agenda apart from just the lift and touch. And sliding off and lifting and touching again. Mm. So then, you know, this is both samatha and the, the beginning of insight is to really recognize in all this mass of, of conditional processes in our hearts what do we not need now just shucking off some of the surplus and what conditions and causes to really encourage like the the giving sense and the loving sense and the easeful sense and the offering sense lifting You you have to grab that and then that quality of the touch, when it's a giving touch, is different from when it's a grabbing touch, isn't it? You know, our hands can be claws, and they can also be bestowing agencies. Yeah? And then there's a different quality to that. So, you know, when you, when you think, maybe we assume, like trying to focus on the breath, we, our touch may get a little bit clawing. <laughs> Because that's the assumption you only kind of got to get it 
to, to do it. So what about if it could just be amazingly like the bestowing gesture of the, of the heart? Like, here you go, here you go, you know, and, and actually letting it touch you. Letting the breath come to you. Because you're doing it, it's happening. And it's, it certainly isn't so, you know, it's a bit clumsy at first, but you imagine you, know, you have a, like a deer, a wild creature, and then you're trying to, come here deer, 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 come here, come here, and you're running around, here, here, nice deer, come here, and you're kind of chasing it with a lettuce leaf, come here deer, what do you think the deer's going to do? <laughs> it's going to scramble off and panic, you know. Maybe you stand somewhere, particularly if you start clawing at it, but then you stand somewhere quietly under a tree and then just sort of holding a lettuce leaf in your hand, being very peaceful and calm, and the deer starts sniffing, oh, that looks nice, it comes over. Yeah. Do this with horses, deer are a little bit more difficult, but horses certainly will respond like that. You see, you stand in the field, stand next to it, and the horse kind of sees you, you're standing there, you know, when you want to, the horse comes nuzzling over and then you put his nose out and you very gently lift your hand the horse backs off and you just stay there and then gradually it lets you touch it and you go, yeah, here we are, the horse is calm. And I find that, you know, it's quite a nice way to contemplate or to practice myself with Anapana Sati, just like, you know, I'm here, when you want to come here, I'm right here, no problem. Just staying in the body and letting the breathing Come rather like a wild, sensitive creature, and you're just touching, touching, because you actually your, your gesture is one of sort of bestowing gesture of, of heart. Now, mm. even to get to that gesture is quite a lot of unpacking mm, of the heart. So, you know, with this, it, in some ways, it doesn't really matter, actually, because just the process of unpacking is, is very beautiful anyway. You know, whether I get, even get a single breath or not, just a decade of unpacking is not a bad idea. And tuning into rhythm, that rhythm is something that the heart will relatively easily pick up. The feeling of the, what happens in the skin as your body is slightly stretched by the breathing. In your face, in your, around your nose, in the top of your chest, you get slight stretching with the breathing, the in-breath, tingling. So the, the more you know, the more you support the conditions, and you put aside the unhelpful conditions, and you support the helpful conditions. This is this is the beginning of insight to really see and know what's unhelpful, and put it aside. You're reviewing causes and conditions, and then what are the ones 
in all this that most are comfortable. And same sort of thing in your body. You know, what particular way of sitting, how do I, how's the body most held, where it can be most feeling, you know, supported, held clearly, you know, so energy can strengthen within that. And yet there's a sense of comfort, so comfortable, balanced. This already is a kind of cultivation of, of insight and it leads to calm. Then being able to bear, bear, stay with this, with this mudra, with this you know, fundamental framework of practice, and then see if we can refine that to, to the breathing in and breathing out purely in itself, just the flow of in-breath and the flow of out-breath. This already much has been done to get to this place. We've done a lot of good work to just get to this place. And just, just to remember that, just to be able to sit without all the kind of buzzy things that we do, unplugging that much is, is uh, an accomplishment in coming into this. You're gradually forming the mudra, forming the the meditation experience, the meditative form, how that form arises for you. The body form, and I mean the body form, not the visual body, but the experienced body, how that clarifies for you, how that becomes more clearly felt. more comfortable and breathing will be a big part of that because it, it is it is the body former the kaya sankara as it's called as it moves through you, it, it forms the body internally you can feel it kind of lifting and swelling and moving around and softening places and naturally you know most of us have certain degrees of you know Difficulty, damage, and so on. So, of course, of breathing into the difficult places, into the shoulders, around the neck, up into the back of the head, through the face, you know, everywhere, feeling the effect of that gentle swelling and subsiding. So, so we're actually working on calming, also working on the conditions in the body. So, Sustaining mindfulness, staying with it. And uh, Buddha said, well, if you have a lot of discursive thinking, then mindfulness of breathing is what I recommend to quell discursive thinking. Generally, for most of it's the other way around. Discursive thinking quells mindfulness of breathing. (laughs) So it's... uh, I don't think they, I got a feeling they didn't think as much as we do in those days. <laughs> because it is the, you know, the racing of the, of the thought, and its own kind of frantic energy, jangling energy and 
so attractive to us, so magnetic, full of thought, how to loosen one's thought, how to think slowly, how to... And again here, if you kind of go to around your eyes and your mouth and your throat and your forehead and just deliberately soften those, it will, it will take the thought down a little bit, tend to unplug it somewhat. And, uh, you know, and then we might need to just go to that thought process and begin to, to say, crunch it down into what's the real bit here. This is restlessness or just, you know, ungrounded or whatever it is. And then how's that feel? How's that feel for you? Yeah. And not to change it. How does it feel in your body, in your heart? And then holding it, touching it, being with that, not adding to it, not feeding more narrative into it. And just feeling the rhythm of the breathing. Can that be like a friend that just steadies it, steadies it, calms it, reassures it, you know, it's enough now, take a break. So just doing this, much can be done, just through this much, in terms of calming and insight. You begin to get the insight that a lot of those you know, very compelling and dramatic and poignant narratives, you know, which seem to occupy so much of one's time and energy, really, you know, have to be met rather than followed, touched, held, and that, you know, they will unravel if you, if you meet them in the right place where they're happening in your heart where your body and heart meet if you meet them there they will unravel they will you know. and that moment they unravel you get that perhaps that moment it sort of slows down and stops and the breathing becomes stronger ah oh clarity and then perhaps the next piece of narrative comes up okay here we are this is what's happening meet what arises and so forth so you just keep keep that process going because this is what the way it is but you're always bearing in mind behind that as your reference point body breathing so whenever that some of that drops you're, coming, you're landing back in that breathing body again. Every time you, you know, it drops a little, the intensity drops, you're land, landing back in that breathing body. So the energy of that thought formation is then drops back into the breathing body and it, you know, the energy of that is then distributed to the breathing, to the breathing body and it becomes, and the heart, and it becomes stronger. Every time you let go of a little bit, your potency, your, ups, your upgrades, your, your, you know, you're transmuting these tangles of thought and emotion into, you're transmuting that into a kind of a bright presence. So you don't have to do surgery, it's just the transmutation. So through this process then there's obviously these things called hindrances, 
and then we're touching that and begin to work on those always coming back to the breathing so in this way you know it, 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 it's not a magic wand by any means but it is a it's it's a doable thing and just even to bear in mind that this is something you know one is not lost one is not doomed one is not just going to get pummeled by your thoughts and emotions for the rest of your life no matter you know <laughs> so you can turn around and not have to run from them not have to feel guilty about them or you know desperate about them you can turn around and start to meet and just even that is is a you know a change of view that's very healthy because we right with that we begin to shift what we sense our center our self loosely speaking to be is now not the thinking agitating mind but the guide who's going to work with that yeah see so just just a change of lineage from you know i am this crazy mind to i am the one who listens and tries to work with this crazy mind so it's just that shift shifting 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 you keep respecting that and, and living it even when the mind doesn't seem crazy it seems like it's important and true and right and why doesn't everybody else believe me you know, this kind of thing it's when it's really crazy <laughs> so uh, you know you come back to that it's, some kinds of craziness are more convincing than others. But it's always dealing with abstracts, imperatives, selves, and so forth. And what's this? You know. So that, that persistence in, in any thought, any, you know, that we're just okay, but we're listening to it and feeling it and unraveling it. This is calming, this is insight. It's insight and it primarily because it's tackling the causes and conditions that substantiate sense of self. And at a certain point in working with these difficulties that we all experience, dullness, agitation, aversion, guilt, so on, craving, you know, which seems so much the problem. At a certain point, as you become more, less phased by it all, less, you know, something wrong with me about it, but just this is the kind of thing, the hat that human beings carry, the less, you, know, you begin to see the real problem is not any of that, really. The real problem is self, is this identification experience. That's how those stuff got stuck there. In many cases, that was the real origin of it. it. Was me wanting to get something, me hating you, me being offended by you, me having a strong opinion about this, me wanting this, me. That was the seed of the, all those hindrances. And as they begin to, you come to terms with them, you begin to see that or more fully realize if you could just stop identifying with them, they'd come apart a lot quicker and easier. 
if you stop identifying with a feeling of something wrong with me, I've got to sort this out. When will I ever get to be this state? The more you can, you know, come out of that, then the more readily these forms will dissolve. And this is, you know, a mark of insight. So really, this is this is the insight wisdom. Is this into you know selfhood as being the real fundamental issue problem? If you get that, then it really does help the the whole calming process become more steady. Because then you're really cautious about even a sense of self gathering around the good, let alone the ugly. You know, you know, this is the way to mess it up. You know, something good is happening. Mess it up if you start claiming it. <laughs> and then you, you know, the conceit and the greed and the I am this and I found that and now I'm here. All that thing. It's laying the ground for another set of hindrances to arise. They call it upakilesa. They're kind of more refined hindrances, but more pernicious because they don't hurt so much. So really coming into that, that what is it that generates this, not just the idea of self, what are the particular energies and processes that bring that around? It's a inclining towards, it's a grasping, it's a holding on, it's a feeding on, upadana. We feed on things. You know, we, there's a grabbing. That touch sense comes from being just the touch into turning into a claw. Yeah. And you realize just even with your hand how there's a balance, isn't there? You know, and you're just touching something, it's pleasant. Your hand kind of <laughs> swings over onto it. <laughs> You know, you try putting a piece of candy on your tongue and let it dissolve, and you see the tongue just mouth just wants to close around that and <laughs> gobble it down. <laughs> it's instinctive. You put something, you know, a furry thing in your hand, you know, a furry object in your hand. Your hand wants to come around it and fondle it. What it's like to just keep the hand loose, it's taking it in, but not clasping on it. It's, that's, the, that's the energy form. So this sense of self at this level is not really a complex you know, historical analysis, just coming down to root energies. Uh, just what upadana is about. Upadana, clinging, feeding on, taking hold of. And this is you know, really you know, coming into that contemplating that and then so we we need to work this a lot really and fortunately you know mindfulness of breathing will help enormously because you know the breath is a is ungraspable it is always just a flowing flickering lightness and as you soften into it, then, in fact, you know, the body seems to change. It's not the body that we normally know. It becomes something quite 
less 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 firmly formed. It becomes a kind of a sense of a like a magnetic field. It's got a firmness to it, but there's no no hard no hard sense. I mean, just staying in that quality of brightness and and any time there's a that you in that flow that you you start to snag and grab things change, you know, it seizes up, something goes wrong, something shakes, something tightens up. And we want to keep that, the looseness, firm looseness, <laughs> rather like light, you know, which is both, can be very strong and yet it's also got no boundaries to it. So feeling the entirety of the body is the, as if there's no boundaries, it's just the feeling sense sweeps around as wide as it wants to be, and you let the edges soften. So any clinging, any grasping within that will always tend to compress and intensify. And be on the watch out for the look out for that. And this underlying, you know, the psychology that we have to keep reminding ourselves of and turning ourselves back to time and time again is it will come to you, you know. It will come to you. Your health, your sanity, your welfare, your true beauty will come to you. You don't have to reach out for it. This is an enormously powerful message to, to signal in our lives because every, every other signal is always about hold on to get the good stuff. When you got it, store it whatever it is at any level now he's saying the renunciation paramita is one of just open up it'll come to you what you need will come to you it's not coming this way it wasn't meant for you (laughs) it's not offered it's not needed And if we, if we really begin to get this or bear this in mind or crystallize around this, then a lot has been done, enormous amount has been done. Enormous amount of life-changing shift has been accomplished. So we can see this, this again, you know, returning as that insight arises, returning again to the breathing. How is it now? Sensations disappear. Time and place disappear. Coming and going disappears. Subsides. And steadiness and simplicity and unity. Unification. So in this way as we, you know, work with the body, we're also working with the the heart, the jitta-sankara, the formative energies of the heart, how the heart is hungry, and frightened, nervous, oppressed. And through this we begin to throw, dispel the weight from the heart, calm the jangling of the heart, allay the fearful heart, calm the greedy heart. And, you know, don't worry, it'll come to you. Just open 
And right in the center of the opening heart is this clear knowing. Never, it's like it's revealed. The clear knowing is revealed. It's simple, it's steady, it's just here, it's just open. It's just clear. Much has been done to even, you know, even, you know, look in that way even turn one's sensitivity in that way. And, uh, you know, and you feel the results that you don't have to be convinced of because they, you know, you, you know what, it knows what's the true thing, the real thing. pause there for the time being and uh, we'll spend a little time just letting some of the, any of that that's useful be heard and settle and continue our practice for a brief while and then we'll go out and do some walking. So I just do mean to say that, if, you know, any time you want to stand, if you do so quietly, you know, I sit here because I'm comfortable, <laughs> not because I have to. So if your body needs to stand as you kind of re-establish yourself, please f- feel free to do so.
Time for occasion for walking, and again, walking, find your place, upstairs, downstairs, walking rooms are outside, and uh, just contemplate, you know, the senses, the touching sense of your feet touching the ground, the way your body moves as a tire unit, the cohesiveness of it, pausing, the standing, so you keep accentuating and, and cultivating that bodily sensitivity and it will calm the mind, steady the mind and then you come back to sitting and you 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 know you stay in that same mode, you also tune into the breathing in that way. So we'll have a um, 45 minute for walking, so if you get back here around 10.30 and then continue till 11.15 sitting and the rest of people, the interview times for myself and I am Medinandi.